Hello Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and welcome to our podcast coven. you we recorded our last episodes what feels like months and months and months ago it wasn't but it just feels like so long ago I know I missed you too it's very good to see your face even though it's by FaceTime I know yeah Yeah, FaceTime small (laughs) um well I'm really excited to get in because I feel that you I can feel it in my waters that you've got (laughs) something really really cool for today so what's brewing what have we got what are we talking about Oh, yes, it's been brewing, maybe because I've been bleeding all week. But today (laughs) we are talking about blood mysteries. Oh, blood mysteries. Blood mysteries. I am intrigued. mm, I feel it's a bit of a taboo subject and I feel in our culture, as we were just talking about off air, that everything is very clean and we don't really talk about blood and or death and things like that. So I thought, mm. hey, our listeners might be interested in hearing the magical side of blood. Well, I definitely am. Yay! <laughs> so where do we start? Are we are we going to start sort of at like let's define blood? <laughs> yeah, true, true. So from a, a medical point of view, blood is made up of liquid and solids. So the liquid part is called plasma and is made of water, salts, and protein. And over half of our blood is plasma. And the solid part of our blood contains red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. So blood delivers oxygen from our lungs to our tissues and organs. And technically, blood is a transport liquid pumped by the heart to all parts of the body, after which it is returned to the heart to repeat the process over again. So it's quite amazing stuff and it seals wounds, carries vital oxygen, fights infection and carries away waste. And obviously every 28 days a woman sheds the lining of her uterus. Uh, She bleeds, she renews and repeats the cycle over and over again for roughly 40 years of our lives. We bleed. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I reckon it should just stop when you finish having babies if that's what you want to do. It's just like you get to decide when you turn it off. Yeah. But it shows, I think, that it's like I've always just had this inner kind of questioning. I'm very curious. I don't know if I'll ever find the answer maybe at one point. I don't know. But um, like there's got to be more to menstruation than just being able to procreate. Like there there's got to be more to it. There is so much more to it. And we are going to touch on that later are in we? the episode. Oh, yes. Exciting. However, I want to say like what you were just saying just then, for those of us who have never really thought about blood too much before, I have because I have issues with my blood. And so I'm very well aware of how important the blood is for us, obviously. But um, that's why a lot of the time when we go to the doctors and we've got a certain level of symptoms, the first thing that they will do a blood test because blood tells everything. Blood shows Mm. so much about what's going on in our system. It's incredible. It's like it's got its own little memory bank inside of it that just reveals everything. It's such a beautiful um, 
secret holder. It's like a, mm. it's got lots of stories to tell. I know, like I listen to obviously a lot of true crime and um, one of the shows that I listen to, a podcast that I listen to, um, one of the hosts is a um, a autopsy technician mm-hmm. and she talks about that when you are dealing with a body that is has been through some sort of homicide or an um, unexplained death or they don't know what's happened to this body, um, they, they go in, an autopsy technician will go in with zero awareness of anything to anything about how the body got until where they got where they are in front of them and they let the body talk they let the body mm. tell them what has happened to the body and that will always correlate with the truth about what's happened but they don't they don't know what's happened they have no information mm. and they let the body give them the information including the blood and it's incredible yeah. what you can get just from this living life source that we have so anyway mm. that's my little tidbit <laughs> Oh, I love it. And then even from an energetic point of view, you think about all of the ancestors that have come before you mm-hmm. and that, that blood runs through your veins like that. What is it carries. Just, yeah. It's mm-hmm. so potent um, on an energetic level as well yeah. in that regard. Mm. Mm. So talk to me about like bringing sort of this around like obviously this is a show about witchcraft and magic (laughs) and so I'm really keen to figure out the link between the mystery around blood and 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 why we're bringing it to the show for sure so I thought we would delve into how blood was perceived throughout history first before Mm -hmm. we get into kind of the witchcraft side of it so many words depict our past history of blood So a fierce battle is known as a bloodbath, a sacred pact with someone and you become blood brothers or sisters. Your flesh and blood is your family or your kin. And if you are known as hot-blooded, that means you are very lustful and passionate. So we've got all these words that we use a lot Mm. and we don't even really think about it. Uh, So the medieval proverb, blood is thicker than water, meaning that family bonds will always be stronger than bonds of a lover or friendship. So the oldest record of this this saying can be traced back to the 12th century in Germany. So blood has throughout the ages both intrigued us and horrified us. So the first blood of a girl was often celebrated and marked a rite of passage as she stepped over that threshold from the child to the maiden. However, the first wound of a soldier or a warrior gushing with blood would have been full of fear and most likely a matter of death. Um, if not from the wound, then from ensuing infection that would have been a very real uh, problem not that long ago. The blood of birth was considered sacred, as was the life-giving placenta, another threshold energetically crossed as a woman goes from maiden to mother. But of course, in ancient times, birth was often fraught with danger and many women and children didn't survive the event. So blood symbolised our sacredness, our soul-embodied life, forming our essential character and family ties. Sensing this, the Maasai drank the blood of lions and the Norwegians drank the blood of bears for strength and fierce courage. (laughs) I need need a vomit sound effect. (laughs) And in some cultures, ancient warriors were known to drink the blood of their slain enemies. And the (laughs) Maya... And the Mayans drenched their altars with the enemy's blood to repay a debt to the gods who had shed their own blood to create them. 
The Knights Templar sealed their bonds with the open cuts of blood brothers, hence where the term came from. And also Jesus Christ and the symbology of his blood as the wine used in church communion rituals. And Carl Jung, who I'm sure many of our listeners would know of, was a Swiss philosopher who lived from 1790, or 17, no, I just totally screwed that up, 1975 to 19, no, I really fucked that up, 1875 to 1961, no, does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 1875 to 1961, noted the intriguing parallels between the maternal tree of life and the human blood system. So he observed how sap imitating blood in trees cycles through the seasons, flowing down into the earthbound roots during winter and returning as fruit in the summer, containing within its branches the intricacies of the entire mystery of life and death. So deep. Oh, so deep. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little historical um, story about blood. Yeah, the good side I love and that. the gory side. Yeah, there is actually there is so much. You're right. Like what you say, it's like there is so much in our language that we we never really, or I have never really thought twice about where and why it where it came from to use that term when it's related to blood. Like obviously, mm. when we say blood is thicker than water, we kind of we 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 all understand that as like your family is always closer to you and that you need to treat them almost at a different level to the Mm. way that you are with with friends or people that aren't related to you and I think the way that we use it in today's society is very different to what a spiritual sense of it is because from a spiritual sense we um blood is thicker than water is is very easily translated across to that what we were saying in the beginning about like our ancestors being carried Mm. through our blood um, that is why it's thick curve than water. Like it's like it's um, it carries more weight, and we might not understand it in our human experience, but from a spiritual aspect, when we have our human experience, um, the blood is the, is part of the life force that runs through, and your ancestors are part of your life force that run through. It's why mm. we have a lot of the experiences that we have, or the opportunities that we have in our lifetime. So for me, I see it as. Blood is absolutely, definitely thicker than water. It's just that it plays out in different ways to the way that society likes to use that saying because I find it quite a passive-aggressive saying in some cases, like it can be used that way if it wants to be. And then the second thing, um, our like from a spiritual perspective, our spirit is is, uh, taken in on our first breath and it activates our heart to start beating. And so as soon as our heart stopped beating, our spirit has left the body. And so our spirit makes our heart beat. And the 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 way that the spirit travels through the body is through the the beat that creates the blood to travel through the body. So blood contains spirit as well. Mm, I love that. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. And I've thought yeah, a lot about that. that kind of stuff because of my own issues with my blood. So yeah. it's like blood's always been something that when it comes to that, I've had a pretty big awareness. So that's mm. why I'm like so intrigued by this episode because I can't wait to learn more. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so that's kind of like a basic history lesson on blood and all the terms that um, that use blood to to get their message across or to get a message across mm-hmm. um what else what what 
what else? What else is there? Where do we where do we where do we tie all that sort of stuff into witchcraft? Do we use it in spells? Uh, yes, you can. Um, and we also have another term that I was going to touch on, which is bloodletting. So okay. do you know what bloodletting is? No idea. Periods. Okay. No, it's not no. periods. So bloodletting. Um, some scholars speculate it was used as long as three thousand years ago to help cure illness and restore health. And its popularity thrived in the 19th century. So even though its effectiveness was routinely questioned, the procedure was used kind of. (laughs) (laughs) The procedure was used for cardiac problems well into the 1920s, which is crazy. So basically bloodletting is creating incisions in certain areas of the body to let blood out. Uh, and I will go into why they believed this practice worked. And it is linked into our periods, kind of. Um, okay. So according to uh, Galen, who was a Greek physician, surgeon and philosopher during the Roman Empire, incisions made into the veins behind the ears could treat vertigo and headaches and cuts oh, made Why didn't I in- know that about on I know. Saturday? Like why could you have, you just, have not? <laughs> could have just done that for your migraine. would have been over and done with. <laughs> And cuts made in the veins found on the temples could treat eye conditions. So one of the most famous deaths from bloodletting is that of President George Washington in America. Yes, so he woke uh, with a sore throat at 2 a.m. on December 14th, 1799, and after a series of medical procedures, including the draining of nearly 40% of his blood through bloodletting, he died that evening. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, So bloodletting was also reported to ease hysteria and madness. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, the procedure often made things worse for obvious reasons. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah. (laughs) These people, oh, my God. Now ties in. So it was observed that women would tend to calm down considerably when they started the bleeding phase of their menstrual cycle. So bloodletting of people who were having psychiatric episodes was thought to ease them. So you can kind oh, of see well, that correlation where they would obviously maybe see a woman who's quite pissed off with PMS. And I always refer to PMS as, well, I, I think <laughs> it's like truth-telling time for me. Like it's kind yeah. of that time where things that you normally get on your nerves but you put up with and get some tolerance. you brush off, PMS, you're just like, nah, sorry, yeah. that's truth not going to fly. Truth serum. Mm. So, yeah, you can kind of see, I guess, past how they, doctors and philosophers made that correlation that women yeah, would calm down you would also think that like 40 percent of blood loss like bloodletting yeah that would have been a whole lot of blood uh, like we don't let 40 percent of our blood go every time oh, we have our period. Hell no. Gosh, <laughs> sometimes no. it feels like it on about day five <laughs> it feels like it <laughs> Um, I have a question inside of that and it's going to come back in a second because I got sidetracked just then thinking about day five um, because that's about three days away for me, FYI, Um, (laughs) TMI. But anyway, um, when um, you were saying about the cutting behind the ears and on the eyes, is Mm -hmm. that like um, thinking about like they would have maybe, and you might not know the answer to this, but do you think it's because it's just a pressure thing and so they had this awareness of when blood is building up and ready to let go for a woman, there's pressure and pressure creates the discomfort and the dis-ease and then when the pressure is let go, then in theory it's it's 
it, yeah. it, it calms down. So it's like a pressure thing. I could see that. I, I don't know, but yeah, mm. I could totally see how that would correlate with that, mm. that thinking and that theory behind it. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Know, it's quite intriguing. And also, um, we do not advise anybody to do bloodletting. <laughs> yes, disclaimer. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we are not suggesting that this medieval practice no, called bloodletting. Nope. <laughs> please don't. Don't um, go there. I just had a vision of like a um, a guy walking around like George Washington walking around with a tampon hanging out of each temple oh. and a tampon hanging out of the back of each ear. <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> my imagine is just my imagination is just so vivid and wild. It just goes off in places. It was like full Frankenstein oh. tampon George Bush monster. George, yeah, George Washington, George Bush, George Washington, George Washington, George Washington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh. yeah, back on track. <laughs> so, do you know if any cultures still practice that? Like, do you, did you find any of that in your research? Because I, I would imagine they, they still would. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. I know um, of certain. I've even seen it on a documentary recently in India. They still practice bloodletting. Um, wow. Yeah, but in some places, probably more controlled. Uh, oh yes, very much so. Yeah. yeah. So no, it would wow. still be practiced throughout the world in different places. I've never been more happy to um, have my bloodletting happen automatically. I know, right? Uh, oh. and we <laughs> I'm the biggest blink when it comes to like cutting and like, oh, yeah, I've only got to get a little nick on my finger and I nearly pass out. Oh, really? Oh, I'm so bad. Like even if my kids hurt themselves uh, when they were little, I couldn't even look. Like thank God Boo has a really strong stomach. He was the one that took them for stitches because I would literally be in the corner wanting to vomit. Couldn't look. pass out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, blood doesn't bother me. Pus bothers me. Like infected stuff bothers oh. me. Like I get wet. <laughs> but anything else I'm fine. I could look at someone's insides. I could handle anything. But when I see an infected green or yellow or pussy or bugs or maggots or something like that, I am done. (laughs) Our listeners aren't eating while they're listening to this. Sorry. Well, I was just about to talk about, no, I'm happy for my blood to be let out of the gash that I already have. You did just say that. (laughs) I'm sure any men listening to this have just turned it off by now. Sorry, you can come back in about a minute. Just fast Next forward. Episode. Just yeah, just fast forward, or you know, like just let me get over this. Actually, no, because we're going to be talking about menstrual. We blood, are. I think. We're just about to get into it. So <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to decide for you. Maybe just listen in for the fun. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, anyway, <laughs> back on track. <laughs> So, yeah, more. Tell me more. Tell me more. What else have you got? So I was going to touch on how um, blood and witchcraft are interwoven and especially Mm -hmm. that intrinsic link to our personal cycle of menstruation as women within the larger cycles that we experience on Earth, such as the seasons and the phases of the moon. So remember that we are nature, so we are on our own personal cycle within the bigger cycles, um, which I've spoken about before, the spirals within spirals. And I know myself, um, 
I was on the pill since I was 15. So for acne, I had really bad acne as a teenager and I was prescribed a pill, which did clear it up. Um, but for a long time, like I only went off that pill to have my babies. And when I finished breastfeeding, I went back on. So I guess my experience of my menstrual cycle as a young woman was very, um, it was numbed down and it wasn't my true cycle because yeah, it was on the pill packet and I could predict like, okay, I'm going to get my my period on Tuesday and I, I could prepare and, and the hormone fluctuations on that particular pill, um, weren't like, it was all kind of very, um, monotone. Just monotone. Yeah. That's the way I could describe it. So I only went off the pill, um, in my forties, to be honest, like at the start of my forties, because my doctor was like, well, you know, you don't need to be on it anymore. And you really need to understand your cycle heading into perimenopause and that kind of thing. And my husband's had a vasectomy. Well, Emma, the astrologist that we interviewed over on Turns Out She's Psychic, she told me when I had my natal chart done that this is my most fertile year. Oh, wow. So disclaimer again, don't go off the pill just because. Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. And I do want to make a disclaimer as well. I'm not um, saying that you shouldn't be on contraceptives or pills or whatever. Like it worked for me. I never had Mm -hmm. an unplanned pregnancy, um, our whole relationship. I felt pregnant on the pill twice oh wow that's yeah so I just haven't taken it since I was like 23 yeah yep Mm. yeah and I wouldn't want to make someone feel like and I understand some women have horrendous you know endometriosis and all sorts of things and I would never say yeah absolutely absolutely but I'm just talking about my personal experience of and I was on the pill yeah as I said pretty much 20 odd years of my life um but it's been these recent years where I've really come to understand um and my cycle is not a normal cycle. I cycle uh, between 30 and 34 days. Uh, it's not a regular 28 day on the dot. But I've noticed, um, yeah, those peaks and drops in energy really like since I've been off it. And even my, you know, libido and um, my creativity, like when it's on fire and when it's dormant and, and that own season within my cycle has become really, really apparent to me. Um, you know, the summer and the winter. And so, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. Uh, but obviously you can still track that if you are on the pill, it just won't be as noticeable. Um, and if you aren't bleeding, you can track it by the lunar cycle. So if you've already gone through menopause or if you've had a hysterectomy or if you don't have regular bleeds, then you can track your cycle by the moon. So the ovulation and peak would be full moon and the bleeding time is the dark moon and new moon. So I just wanted to kind of set that out for everyone. Um, But it does give you a good indication uh, of that sacred link to the earth, your intuition, to all the women that came before you as well and how we can feel connected and, and we're just another small link in it all through that blood, you know. And I've been trying to teach my daughters to rest during the first couple of days of their cycle and to take that cue from their body to release all that no longer serves them during that time. Um, and this has been a big one for me to work on, to not be resentful of that time, but to work with your body and work with its rhythms. Um, so I used to hate getting my period, like absolutely hate it. But I can honestly say, and I know you're looking at me like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but now 
just before my, like when I get my period now, I feel that release. I feel that tension dissipate and I feel this like, oh, okay, I can just kind of really ground down and just go within for a couple of days. And that is my cue from my body to go, okay, it's time to go into your cave and not socialize and don't people and just be gentle with myself for a couple of days. Yeah. And that sounds yeah. lovely. Sounds like a dream come true. I, I have I've always had really big problems with my cycle and I definitely, I would love to love them. And a big part of me does because of what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. I have so many hormonal just just shit shows going on inside. It's like a circus. They have they're getting on in their own little world inside there with their hormones. <laughs> and um like you say you're on a 30 32 to 35 day cycle? Uh about 30 to 34, yeah. I'm on an 18 to 21 day. Oh, so very short. So I can see very. why you'd be very happy to see it. Yeah. yeah. And um very, very, very I get a, a like I get on the day of, I know I'm going to get them regardless of where it is. I just get this splitting headache that's like a tension headache behind both eyes. And it's like I need to close my eyes and put my head down. And it's like the pressure just before the bubble bursts. It's out here's the only mm. way I can describe it because the minute that I get them, the headache goes away. But I also get extremely sore breasts and I mm-hmm. have really bad ovulation pain midway through. Like I could probably just go straight in and pick up an ovary and just go, there it is, because I know where the pain is wow. so clearly. And it's always my right ovary. And I feel it all the way back into my back as well. And then... When I get, when I'm actually bleeding at that time, usually on day five, like it is like, am I going to die from 40% blood Mm. loss like George Washington? Because like it's just a lot. And as someone who is um, like, so I have a, the blood type that is not anemic from not eating meat, but my blood doesn't Mm -hmm. absorb iron. So it's also so linked. Like it's all just, it's just shit. But um, I would love to be able to love my period, but I just, I just, I'm on the far spectrum. Yeah. No, and look, that's So for our listeners, there's probably like people all along the spectrum oh, of loving sure. it, want to love it, look like a mile away from ever wanting to love it and are sad about yeah. that or angry about that or whatever. It's yeah. a lot. Such a big it thing is. for women. It's huge. And that's why I thought we'd touch on it today. And even if someone can take one little tidbit of information or um you know one little practice to just to try and um I guess connect to the energetic side of your period even just for a moment whether that's you know creating um you know kind of a ritual around you know that day you get it that's when you pull the chocolate out and the glass of red wine and you lay on the lounge and watch your favorite movie (laughs) yeah like or run that bath or just just do something for yourself um because I think as women we can quite often go weeks without especially if you've got children um and working you know it's it's we're all living by these schedules and I think our own health and our own bodies kind of come way down the list of things um yeah Mm. we tend to put everyone else first so I guess a period is a very visceral way of bringing yourself back to your own body yeah Mm. yeah definitely so interesting so it is it is it's so um gosh you could go right down the rabbit hole so (laughs) we kind of did but we we stuck our head in there and we had a sniff around and we come back (laughs) up again (laughs) 
there's so, hairs yeah. down there playing with their tits. So we've come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, back on track, Tracy. Back, back on, track, on track. Back on track. <laughs> okay, so more about witchcraft. Yes. So, um, well, I was going to say during your bleeding time, uh, it's a great time for tuning in. So it is said that when you bleed, you are more intuitive. So doing a meditation or using um, ritual or divination tools to tap into that intuition at that time is a great uh, thing to do. And once again, creating that space for yourself. So communing with nature, journaling, um, doing an oracle card reading or taking more notice of the symbolism of your dreams at that time as well. So in ancient cultures, um, you know, throughout the world, women who were bleeding would go to the red tent or they would be, you know, revered in their communities as at, at that bleeding time of gaining an knowledge and insight. Yeah, yeah. And their dreams were quite prophetic or, um, yeah, they'd have insights for the community and things like that. So, yeah, take that time. and Maybe that that's why self-care. I bleed all the freaking time. <laughs> that makes sense, you know. It does. It kind of does now. It does. I yeah, still I would prefer could... not to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. God. And so, like, I've heard of spells that require menstrual blood. Yeah, it is a thing. It is yeah. a thing. So although there's some witches that believe it holds no value as your body has rejected it, I guess it's like the whole ash thing, how some witches Mm -hmm. use the ash of sacred fires, others believe it holds no value. Same goes for menstrual blood. So some believe, yeah, it's just empty. Others believe it is full of potency. Yes. So we will touch on that. So it's definitely personal choice. And I always urge you to make up your own mind about anything to do with magic and There's no doubt that there is a a taboo associated with menstrual blood. So like witchcraft throughout the ages, it's been shunned, shamed and hidden away. But if you menstruate, it is your power and, of course, your decision what you choose to do with it. So period blood magic requires no sacrifice as it can be taken freely and safely from your own body. Menstrual blood holds all the power of blood and it's deeply personal to you. So it can be collected uh, from a menstrual cup or a designated dish for that purpose. And only a few drops are needed for magic. And some witches prefer to dry theirs and use the flakes of blood in spells. So what? Yeah. So they'll dry it out and use like blood flakes in their spells. Blood flakes. Blood flakes, yeah. Okay. So I've heard that I haven't actually done this, but you, I've heard that you can get like a, a plate or a saucer and just put some drops on it and leave it there to dry and that's yeah. how you make the, the blood flakes and you can keep it in a, a, jar, a jar, I guess. Yeah, yep, hidden oh, away. Oh, in this jar? It's just my blood yeah. flakes. Blood flakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. yeah, it's really, it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's often associated with the pool of tides, so the tidal flow and gravity, and that's why it's a powerful tool for attraction and, on the other hand, a powerful tool for making space. So you think about what a period does. It actually gets rid of what is no longer needed and sheds. it makes space. Yeah, sheds. And it's often used for spell work related to sexual attraction, love and fertility, and for rituals of releasing what is no longer needed and to create space to invite new desires in. 
So this blood is a part of you and it's filled with life energy. So you can use your menstrual blood as a nature offering for the earth, a plant spirit or a libation for a god or a goddess you may be working with. And in ancient times, women would offer their menstrual blood to the earth in exchange for the blood of their husbands or sons to bring them home safely from war or battle, which I found really um, intriguing. Yeah. That's sweet. It is, yeah. And if you think, um, you know, and the, the thought of working with your blood hands-on really grosses you out too much, you can perform um, other rituals around your bleeding time. So one that's quite nice to do is running a bath and filling it with your favourite oils and salts. And while you're relaxing in, visualise all that you wish to release. And you may see your blood swirling in the water. And then when you're finished standing up, pull the plug and watch that water drain away and along with it, everything you wish to release and follow that by a shower to cleanse and renew your, your body and your energy. So that's a really simple way. If you don't want to get hands on. It sounds positively Um, disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) If you ask me, I'm sitting over here going, <laughs> so Tracy's like, I'm going to bathe with that tampon in. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> yep, I will not see the blood swirling. Good, no, I may not. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you wish to use your moon blood in spells or not, taking back the power of the period. So the power to speak its name, the power to talk freely without embarrassment, the power to acknowledge openly that it's happening is releasing centuries of oppression and shaming, which still happens to this day, might I add. And a huge part of walking the path of the witch is acknowledging the divinity within nature and its cycles. And I also really feel that starts with acknowledging that aspect within ourselves and our own bodies and our own cycles. So, Well, I'd like to say kudos to the men that have kept listening then to this because thank you for being at the forefront of it not yeah. being a taboo subject anymore and that it's just part of life. And it so we don't, is. Like, I don't, I'm pro, like I talk about it, like even with my boys, like it's not like I'm like telling them everything, but yeah. sometimes because I do struggle with it quite a lot, like sometimes they'll look at me and they're like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I've just got a headache. And they, they'll say, why would you want anything? And I'm like, oh, it's just my period. And at mm-hmm. first they're a little bit uncomfortable, but I mean, for 15 year old and 16 year old boys, I'm just like, nah, man. Cause if you, if you end up with a female partner who bleeds and has problems or at any time I want you to understand what it's you don't have to you know you don't want I I don't want you to wrap me up in cotton wool ball but I just Mm. want you to respect that it's something that we have to go through and to have men in our lives that that allow it to be what it is and it, it helps us women to to get through it because I remember when my husband and I we've been married 16 years this year and when um when he finally got a, a, a really good indication of because we met and six weeks later I was pregnant so he didn't mm. see me with a period he saw me with absolutely no period with a baby the, <laughs> with a baby for the first year and a half of our life and then when he actually got a really good idea of what Tracy and her cycle is like he was just like we can't be having any of this business happening like you are a nightmare. <laughs> But what I used to think was that he would wait for those months and he won't mind me talking about this, I'm sure. But I used to get so cranky because I thought that he would wait for that time of the month to be able to say what he wanted to say and then blame it on the fact that I'm (laughs) the one that's being so like, um, 
irrational and illogical and over the top and and precious and and I used to just be like I am not you are making me like that because you're deciding to be an absolute asshole on the same week that I need to be the asshole like we both can't be the asshole (laughs) (laughs) it'll take turns being the asshole (laughs) yeah so I just kept saying it back to you and I'm like don't you dare come at me when it's my time, because I don't want to be thinking about you at this time. Like this is something that I can barely think about for myself. I can barely get Mm. through it on my own, let alone dealing with you having your period every month too. Like it's not okay. Don't get on the bandwagon. It's not cool. Yeah. All I want you to do is just say, what do you need? Or just throw chocolate and wine at me in a blanket and a hot Mm. water bottle and a really sad show or vampire diaries. And I'm sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's all you have to do. Yeah. Well, I've been the same as you. I've brought my kids up openly talking about it. Same with Oscar. Um, Yeah. Like he doesn't get freaked out or anything if he walks in and I'm you know, on the lounge with a heat pack and, oh, what's wrong? Oh, yeah, I've got my period. And he'll be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. And I really hope that. Yeah, it is. And it is normal. It is so normal. And I know in times past it wasn't normal. Like I know my mum was always really uh, open with us and like I knew about periods years before I got them. She wanted to make sure that we knew what was going to happen with our body and and that it was all okay and it was natural because she was never told. Her mum never Same. told her a word. Did and your she mum got think she period. was dying? Yes. The so poor did little my thing. Mom. Yep, got it on the school bus on the way home and apparently there was no one at home when she got home. So she put herself to bed thinking she was dying mm-hmm. and her mum got home and said, what's wrong? And she told her and she, all she said to her was, whack this between your legs, it was a pad, and just don't tell anyone. And so mum had no idea and she had to find out off a friend what a period was and about pads and tampons and that it was going to happen every 28 days. And yeah, no, that's, it's, I know it was the, the age back then and I guess it was taboo and, but yeah, I just, I think we're in a day and age now. It's so out there and yeah, I'm open with it. And, and it's a, um, it's a, it's something that needs to be considered as important. It needs to be up there in healthcare because it can it can affect our health in so many ways mm. if it's not managed or like it can affect fertility and infertility and they're not things that you think about until it's too late but if you hadn't yeah. been able to speak about your period or be able to deal with what it was then it could have been preventable yeah absolutely mm. you know like it, it it's it's a health it's women's health mhm you know like they bang around about men's prostates it's like well what about our uteruses <laughs> True. <laughs> Uterus awareness. That's what we need. <laughs> another T-shirt. <laughs> another ribbon and another day. <laughs> oh, so I thought we would finish off um, this Blood Mysteries episode. And I hope, yeah, everyone's kind of hung in there and not just been a bit all over the shop <laughs> between <laughs> us talking about blood baths and, and war and the meaning of blood in history and then lots and of gashes. period talk <laughs> and gashes. <laughs> but I thought we would come back to the ancestor tie um, with blood. So it was quite fitting that last night I did my cards. I have a new deck from Lucy Cavendish called Blessed Be and I'm getting to know this deck and I'm loving it. And I pulled the um, a blessing from your ancestors card last night and when I read it I was like, oh, this is like so 
on for what we're about to talk about today. So I thought I'd just read it out for everyone and hopefully they will get something from it as well. Oh, that's a nice so, little treat. I thought so. And, you know, I love a good story and a reading to our listeners. <laughs> we put it, it's, it's time to get into bed, everyone. It's Shannon's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Shannon's nightly, what is it called? It's not a lullaby. What is it? It's a... That's my tale. Tale, yeah. My folkloric tale. Okay. No, I don't so know. everyone close your eyes, turn out the lights, <laughs> put your lavender diffusers on, get yes. coffee. And here is a blessing from your ancestors. So a blessing to bring you the gifts and guardianship of your ancestral family. Within your bloodline and within your spiritual line, there are thousands of relatives who care for you and whose cells now sing within your own body. You are their future dream. You carry forward the hopes of your distance and most ancient family. They have seen so much, yes, in other times and faraway places, but they come to you now and bless you with all the wisdom of their experiences making you the sum total of a thousand thousand wise ones. Call upon the wisdom of the blood, the old ones who stand behind you, supporting and holding you, clearly giving to you the knowledge that experience taught them. Let only the ancestors who can free you, aid you, support you and celebrate the best of themselves within you come forward. And may the ailments and regrets of those who have gone before teach you what not to do in this time. If family be thin on the ground or if there is estrangement at present, let the arms of the old ones hold you, form a circle around you and infuse you with everything you may need at this moment. You are loved across the distance of time. You are spoken to with quiet kennings, soft knowings that will direct you forth. You will be soothed by those who, who healed and be guided by those old ones who hold before you the flaming torch of their united spirits. You are all that has gone before, but they celebrate you for you are the future. Know your life is precious to more than the visible ones you know. You are most precious to all the old ones, to the ones who you share blood with. They know of your value and of the hopefulness of your future. May you be blessed and may you have with you the essence of the elder, the teacher, the one who shows, the one who shares with the young, the one who keeps the skills alive inside you and all about you. Blessed be. Wow. That was really beautiful and very it is beautiful. timely. Very timely. timely. Very timely. Mm. And there was one thing in there where you said the wisdom of the blood. Look to the wisdom of the blood. I love that because blood is further than just our parents and our siblings and our cousins and our aunties and uncles. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of of. Mm. of lifetimes ahead that's in that's running through our veins right now and we've got to look to that too yeah and know we're sometimes things skip a generation yeah or two (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) so was there another one that you wanted to read nope that's it no okay all right so we are at divine duel of the week what is it it is clary sage oil. I thought we would touch oh, on. Oh, I like clary sage. I love it. I love mm. it. And I use it during my moon time. So I thought that's why we would chat about it today for those that might not be familiar with it. Yeah. Mm. So clary sage is a perennial flowering herb that's native to the Mediterranean and it grows up to six feet tall. 
It's usually cultivated for its use as a flavoring in tea. And it's also known by the names clear eye and eye bright because of its traditional use as a treatment for eye health. Although it's now been studied for a variety of other health benefits. The essential oil is extracted from the leaves and buds of the plant and it has a clean, refreshing scent that you can use to inhale as part of an aromatherapy treatment or on the skin in the form of a balm or an oil. When used in aromatherapy, clary sage oil helps alleviate stress by inducing a sense of well-being. Clary sage oil has been proven to have antibacterial properties. Researchers think it could be an effective treatment alone or in addition to to traditional treatments for wound care. In one laboratory study, clary sage oil helped heal severe skin infections caused by several strains of Staphylococcus bacteria. The lab study used swabs from the bacterial infections of 61 people. Each had a difficult-to-treat wound that wasn't responding well to antibiotics, and the wounds were caused by burns, diabetes, or surgical procedures. And diluted clary sage oil was found to be effective against several of those bacterial strains. So clary sage has been tested on both animals and humans to determine its potential benefits as a natural antidepressant. Uh, One study done on rats indicated that clary sage oil could benefit them um, for depression by acting as an anti-stressor. Another small study with a test group of menopausal women indicated that inhaling clary sage oil reduces cortisol, the stress hormone, and produced an antidepressant-like effect. One component of clary sage oil is sclariol, I think that's how you pronounce it, which mimics the effects of estrogen in the body. For this reason, clary sage oil may be effective at reducing some of the symptoms of menopause. And some research suggests that diluted clary sage oil applied onto the bottom of the feet can reduce hot flashes. Another study examined 48 women who experienced painful period cramps. Some of these women were given a cream containing clary sage oil and and other essential oils to apply to their lower abdomens daily between menstrual cycles. The women who used the cream had a significant reduction in their menstrual cramps than the control group. And personally, I use a doTERRA blend called Clary Calm uh, that I cover over my abdomen when I have my period and also if I'm feeling very premenstrual. And a few drops of the oil added to a hot bath along with some lavender is really beautiful as well. So energetically, Clary Sage has a string of associations with the eyes and the ability to see. It may be used to enhance visions found within meditation and Clary Sage is also known as a herb of protection and is associated with the moon. And that's kind of perfect considering how powerful it is around menstrual cycles. Mm. So that is clary sage. It is quite a wonderful herb and essential oil. And I thought that that was really interesting. That was a divine, divine tool of the week. Yeah. (laughs) Divine, divine, divine. (laughs) So many divines. Clary sage is the divine. Um, and for those um, people who haven't gotten on to the, the um, essential oil bandwagon, mm-hmm. there are a couple of um, brands, Young Living and doTERRA, that yes. are the most popular. And doTERRA has food-grade oils, and I believe Young mm. Living does too. Um, but if anyone um, hasn't you know, experienced doTERRA yet, if you go onto my website, which is just tracydimmick.com.au, and you go into the about column, there's a full, um, like a 
uh, drop down menu and on there if you just click doTERRA on there you'll be able to have like the ins and outs of whatever you want and have a look and just discover it and um yeah you can check that all out so if anyone's interested because I use um way back when I used to do energy healing I used to use them quite a lot um mm. and for um which I think we're going to be talking about next week um I saw on the schedule um I use a lot of them to enhance um what I do but I also do it for a lot to enhance for what I do for others yeah. so um Claire um olfactants is one of my strongest um abilities which is clear smell mm-hmm. or clear olfactory senses and so um, I use that a lot. It's very powerful for the human physiology and emotions and mental and mm. very cool. So if anyone wants to find out, I just thought I'd add that in there because I know we have mentioned essential oils before. So yeah. you can go to the local store and to Woolies and everywhere and find many essential oils, but the difference is they're great. They're, um, the way that they're ethically produced mm. and sourced um, the ethos of the company for doTERRA and young living. I, I, 100% back as well um mm-hmm. but yeah you, you don't need to jump on the whole bandwagon you don't need to sign up and do everything um but they're definitely worth investing in those two mm. brands because you are getting a quality and it's really important that you if you're going to introduce them and you haven't before then start with a good quality because it will make a difference so if you're going to go mm. all the effort to apply some of these things that Shannon and I talk about then you may as well do it with the proper the proper tools. Mm, for sure. Agree? Absolutely agree. Yeah. I Good. was actually introduced to doTERRA by Marin, our honey dealer. Oh, yeah. yeah, years ago. And I can honestly say it was a huge, um, a huge part of my healing journey back then of, yeah, with anxiety and insomnia and, mm. yeah, I still use it to this day, every day. Um, I love it. It's part of my rituals and even before I go to bed, it's the lavender and the easy breathe and Yeah, we and have it on every on night. Guard. Our, yep. Yeah, we have it on every night now in, in our room sleeping um, and I, like, I am addicted to digestion. Mm-hmm. So digestin, for anyone that's listening and doesn't know, it's a blend for the stomach specifically, um, and I just roll it onto my solar plexus area and just below my navel, and I do a figure eight mm-hmm. around that area. But I also use it during period time. It really oh, okay. helps with my cramps. It really helps with sometimes I feel a bit nauseous during bleeding time. Um, and digestin, I, f- I feel, has been one of the most effective oils for me when it comes to dealing with the physical side of, of the suffering. Um, yeah. And then the Clary Sage and doTERRA make a um, a time of the month blend. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, that's the one that I use. It's the um, Clary Calm. Clary Calm, that's it. I knew it, had, yes. I knew it had Clary in it, but I'm like, oh, what is that called? So their Clary Calm blend is really great, I find, for my emotions and my mental, but mm. the Digest Zen, which has, they don't say anything about periods with that yeah. one, but I find that it really helps with, with my physical symptoms. I'll have to try that one. So that's mm. a bit of a tip. Hot tip. Mm. Hot tip coming up. Straight at from the sidekick's mouth. <laughs> Divine tools and hot tips. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, listeners. And we will see you next week. You sure shall. Thank you very much. Bye.